power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. You've been blessed like I am. Let's appreciate our very poor, our own poor. Let's appreciate the poor. Wow. Wow. We pray that this word should be amen in our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I understand David because this our gathering is not ordinary. Hallelujah. It's not a gathering of just mere men. Hallelujah. It is not one of those gatherings again. Hallelujah. It's not one of those lecture mornings. Hallelujah. It's a gathering of saints and we have come to be fooled. Say fooled. Hallelujah. Because the truth is that in the kingdom, things respond not necessarily to actions, but to the understanding back in the actions. Hallelujah. So it's not really because of the giving, but the understanding behind the giving. Hallelujah. And before understanding will come, the word has to come. Say the word has to come. And God has prepared our very own daddy to bring us understanding. Hallelujah. So if you are ready to receive understanding, you want to join me as we welcome the ministry of our very own daddy, Dr. Leslie Kwakupong. Hallelujah. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just give him. Just bless his holy name. Lift his name up. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. As the choir was ministering, I sensed very strongly in my spirit that some people are on the verge of an answered prayer. Watch out in the coming week. Some prayers are going to be answered. I want us to lift up our voices and declare the heavens opened. You want to unlock anything that has been locked in the heavens just lift up your voice begin to declare that the heavens are open in the name of jesus come on let me hear you pray let the heavens be opened in the name of jesus let the heavens be opened in the name of Jesus. Let a prayer be answered in the coming week. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. La Fada Bakabakata. Rebadododobo Shada Bakata. Fade de Meneke Bohosata. Hele Rabaho Shata Kadese. Sakakadi Bohoto. Every lock heaven above anybody's head, we command it to be open in the name of Jesus. Level level shadabakata Ladoko Riblendeleb Sakaba Redebo Rabakato Satabaha Kadebo Librakati Bihata Rokodobo Shadabaha Every heavens above anybody's head that is up, that is as hard as a rock 
we command it to be shattered open in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every opposition to answered prayer, we declare clear out of the way in the name of Jesus. We kick doors open in the name of Jesus. Shut doors are open in the name of Jesus. Closed gates are open in the name of Jesus. Opportunities have been created in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Son of the Living God. Have you said it and you will not do it? You are not a man that you should love. You are the God of miracles. The God of signs. God of oneness. You are a miracle worker. In the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that prayers are going to be answered in this coming week. Thank you that heavens that have been locked are being unlocked right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that long-standing prayers are coming to an end in the coming week. Prayers that people have prayed for years. Prayers people have prayed for weeks. Prayers people have prayed for months. Breakthroughs are coming forth. Answers are coming forth. Angels are being released with answers in their hands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we stand as the body of Christ and as representatives of Jesus. And we hold bound every opposition to the delivery of our answers this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Father, we declare the heavens opened. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Oh, I believe you can do it better. Hallelujah. God bless you, choir. I think we should put our hands together for a choir. That's a powerful ministration. See, the song doesn't have to be complex to be impactful. Sometimes three, four lines, and it just does it. It, it, it. I know you could feel it was speaking to you. How many of you felt it that way? It was. It was just ministering to you. That is a ministration and not a performance. Hallelujah. And Minister Joy, God, God bless you so much for leading us so powerfully. When somebody is ministering a song that has ministered to him, there is a difference. When you are just singing, you've been giving some words, you have a nice voice, oh, let's just sing and go. There's a difference between that and somebody who is singing out of an impact the song has made unto him. And we thank God for that. Hallelujah. How many of you are ready for the word? How many of you are ready for the word? We thank God for his word. Amen. How many of you are at uh, midweek service? Midweek service. Alright, I'll look into the crowd to see the hands that are down. But during midweek service, I continued on the series of the church. And I spoke specifically about the church and the cult. 
the church and the cult. The fact that it's very easy for a church to become a cult. And I spoke about the fact that the cult is not necessarily occultic. When we mention the word cult, suddenly people are thinking about people cutting their finger and putting blood in things and all of that. And we read the definition of a cult. And I gave you seven characteristics of a cult. You see, this series on the church that we are doing, it's actually supposed to help our foundations as a church. Hallelujah. And what we are actually doing indirectly is that we are building church policies based on the word of God. The sound system, for example, is a church policy that has come to stay. And it is based on the word of God as I've shown you through the scriptures, through the teaching of the word that in the New Testament, the church was a home cell based church. Hallelujah. And in preaching about calls, it is a caution to us as a church as well. Amen. Because a lot of the churches that have become cult-like, most of them didn't start out with the intention of creating a cult. But eventually, because of the way certain things are handled and certain things are done, you end up creating a cult when that wasn't the intention. There are some that from the outset, the aim was actually to create a cult to control human beings and to control their lives. And so these things are supposed to be a check. And thank God that these preachings are, are on the net. Hallelujah. When something goes onto the net, it's there forever. We can always refer to it when we need to. Amen. So that when we are doing something that is different from that, we can be pulled to a heart. This was what we were saying some time ago, but now it's looking like things are different. So it's, it's, it's a way of keeping ourselves in accountability. Hallelujah. So I'll quickly go through the seven characteristics of the cult and then I'll go to today's um, so if you don't come to midweek, don't be relying on these uh, recaps. That will, uh, pastor will recap the sermon. So you let me just sleep on Wednesday night. When you are there for the full sermon, it's not the same. When you are in a meeting for a sermon, it's even not the same as listening to the sermon after it's been recorded. It's not the same. Hallelujah. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. Amen. So the first characteristic of, of a cult that I gave was that Calls discourage critical and objective thinking. When, when you ask questions, when you are beginning to think like critically, when you're beginning to, it's, it's as if you are being disrespectful. When you see such an attitude, and I said that if you see just one characteristic, it doesn't necessarily mean it is a cult. It is just a red flag. Hallelujah. It means you need to be careful. It's only churches that become cult-like. You can be, belong to a prayer group somewhere some fellowship somewhere but it's operating like a cult so it discourages critical thinking critical and objective thinking and that is against the word of god because in Acts chapter 17 paul encouraged the people to go back and read he praised the berean church that whenever he preached they went back to read to check whether what he had said was true hallelujah and so when you start seeing some of these characteristics you need to be careful and now we started, we are going to start cell groups. It's very easy for the cell leader to direct the cell into the line of a cult. It becomes some way. Hallelujah. I mean, we can't be there every day to monitor what is going on. So that's why some of these teachings are also important. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So if by some 
unlikely means yourself probably that starts going in a certain direction and say hey my pastor said so so and so you are trying to make us into a call to be careful before god decides to descend upon you so they discourage critical and objective thinking two they dishonor the family unit they dishonor the family unit the whole idea of the family it's like they make it seem as if family is not important your parents are not important. Your children are not important. Your wife is not important. What is important is the church. But God created the family unit. Hallelujah. He, the Bible even says he puts the solitary into families. God, God loves families. Amen. So you see some of these calls where it's like people, houses are set against each other in a home. Sometimes your mother is a witch. And this is that. And this is that. Some people's mothers are witches too. <laughs> but when it is meant to bring division and is meant to control your life then the ministry is behaving like a cult hallelujah where they are taught the children are taught to obey the leader of the group more than their parents more than their father it's a problem and I gave a scenario and I asked the question which mommy answered perfectly I asked her, I gave her a scenario that if me, as your pastor, assuming she was married, and there was a family decision to be taken, something, a decision relating to the home, and her husband thinks it should be done this way, and me, as her pastor, I say it should be done this way, I asked her, who are you going to listen to? And she perfectly answered it by saying that she would listen to what her husband is saying, because the Bible says, wives, submit to your own husband. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 Everybody say own husband The pastor is somebody else's husband Hallelujah Your own husband You see that is why you must marry correct men Who will lead you correctly Hallelujah That does not mean Your pastor doesn't have a place in guiding you In how to run your family And all of those things But if you are following what the pastor is saying Then you are following it as a couple both of you are submitting to the leadership of the pastor. There may be times when you will be confused as young couples. Because as for marriages, they are going to come this year. Plenty. Hallelujah. You will be confused as to how to handle certain things. And that is where the experience and anointing of the pastor will come in. But you are coming as a couple. Not as a divided front. Where husband is here and the wife is there. You understand? So don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean pastors can't speak into your lives. Ask. So, hey, once I marry, I don't listen to my pastor again. That's not what I'm saying. Hallelujah. When you are submitting to the word of the pastor, it is as a couple. Amen. So, calls would dishonor family units. It, it makes it look as if family is not important. Family values are not important. And the whole aim is to cut you away from the people who can see into the harm they are doing into your life and advise you to come out. Just cut off all those checks that can get you out of the bondage in which you are because calls eventually become sources of bondage to the people and then number three they isolate the members from society family etc they isolate you in some places it's actually physical isolation they go and camp in some wilderness somewhere and they are there doing their own thing i give you an example of jim jones they went into some forest somewhere in Guyana or somewhere. They were doing their own things there. They eventually ended up drinking poison together and they all died. 
Alright? So there is isolation. Number four. There is an inappropriate, and the key word here is inappropriate, an inappropriate kind of loyalty to the leader. Inappropriate loyalty. Yes, there must be some loyalty to leadership. As for that one, you, you can't be under leadership and be a disloyal um, follower. But when it becomes inappropriate, where the leader now replaces God, where you are ready to disobey the word of God in favor of what the leader is saying, where you can't even quote scripture for yourself, everything you quote is what my bishop says, what my pastor says, what my prophet says. It becomes a problem. Hallelujah. That's number four. Number five. They cross biblical boundary lines of behavior. And they twist the Bible to defend their actions. When they begin to cross biblical lines. When somebody tells you fornication according to the Greek word. is only when you sleep with a prostitute. So, so long as you are not a prostitute. Or your beloved is not a prostitute. Once you sleep with her, there is nothing wrong with it. So, you see these, these leaders create the ground so that they can sleep with you. Are you a prostitute? You are not a prostitute. So if I sleep with you, it is not fornication. There is nothing wrong with it. They, they cross the lines of biblical principles and they use biblical Bible to try and defend it. Some people teach that as Christian married men, you are actually allowed to sleep with women who are not married. So long as they are not married. God doesn't have a problem with it. It is only when they are married. And their basis is that throughout in, in scripture, when God got angry with people, for example, uh, David, God got angry with David when he went to sleep with Bathsheba because Bathsheba had a husband. God got angry with Abimelech when he wanted to take Sarah because Sarah was Abraham's wife. So if Sarah was not Abraham's wife, God wouldn't have had a problem with it. If Bathsheba wasn't Uriah's wife, he wouldn't have had a problem with it. So, married men must stay away from other married, um, other married women. They say you shouldn't convert your neighbor's wife. That's what the adulterers you can co- convert. And they, they try to use scriptures to justify the wrong things that they do. Characteristic number five. Number six. Separation from the, from the larger church. The, the body of Christ itself. And sometimes this group present themselves like they are the only ones with the truth. Everyone else is in error. And restrictions are placed on the members not to listen to any teaching from anywhere except the one coming from their leader. And of course that's because they know if they allow you to be listening to others, there will be times people will be bashing some of the things that, like what I'm doing now. Some of the things that they are doing and your eyes will be open. So just listen to them and them alone. So these people are trying to say that they are the only ones God didn't fit to give revelation to. All the millions of Christians on earth is just this particular leader that God decided to put revelation into his spirit. So he's the only one you must listen to. In overflow, you are allowed to listen to other preachers. Hallelujah. I don't have it all. I don't have all the revelation. Amen. You can listen to other preachers. Put everything together and grow. Hallelujah. And the seventh one is that they emphasize special revelation 
outside the boundaries of scripture. Special. It's like special. So this one there. And sometimes they even claim some 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 spiritual experience. They had somebody walked into their room and told them that this and this and this and that and all of those things, which are outside scripture. So these are seven characteristics of cult that we must watch. Now we are still continuing with the series on the church. And as I told you on Wednesday, today my my sermon title is like a a Chinese movie. It's like the title of a, of a Chinese movie. It's Shadows of the Golden Calf. Shadows of the Golden Calf. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 32. Today I'm preaching a, a revivalist message. Let's start reading from verse 1. Let's have the NLT. Exodus chapter 32. I'm sure you all know this story, but let's just read through it. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. He said, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow, Moses. Say this fellow. Now Moses has become this fellow. (laughs) Who brought us here from the land of Egypt? Next. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Some people use this scripture as an excuse that men should wear earrings. <laughs> There's a thing from your wives and sons. Some of these things are cultural things. In our culture, men don't wear earrings. Hallelujah. Maybe the Jews, which culture those things, the men could wear. But here when you wear, they look at you some way. Amen and sons and daughters and bring them to me i'll come back to this scripture again because that's also a basis for um some people teaching that you you must not wear jewelry you mustn't wear earrings because of this i'll come back to this one and bring them to me next all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to aaron next then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Next. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Next. And look at what they did in the verses. The people got up early. This one there, they, they could get up early. Got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. Another version says they rose up to play. When we talk about pagan revelry, they are drinking, they are drunk, they are fondling each other, they are having open sex. That's what we mean by pagan revelry. That's what the pagans used to do. Alright. And this was what happened to the children of Israel. You have seen ten powerful plagues. God has taken you out of bondage from Israel, from Egypt. Now you find yourself in the wilderness. Moses has gone up the mountain to go and claim the commandments to be given unto you. And because he is keeping long in coming, you put pressure 
on the priest that is Aaron to make a golden calf for you why have I, have I titled this sermon shadows of the golden calf the golden calf was long destroyed in the wilderness by Moses but it is still haunting the church the, the spirit of the golden calf the phenomenon of the golden calf the whole idea behind the golden calf is still haunting the church today the shadow you see your shadow looks like it's not you but it looks like you so we are having things in the church right now that look like the golden calf that have characteristics of the golden calf but are not necessarily the golden calf hallelujah that's why the sermon is entitled shadows of the golden calf and in this sermon i'm going to point out some of these things some of these lessons we must learn out of this story about the golden calf now the first thing you will realize from this story about the golden calf is that it happened because the people had become too familiar with God the people had become too familiar with God they had seen the power of God it's like God has spoiled them with miracles signs wonders they were witnesses to these things it's not like somebody told them stories they saw them with their own eyes all of them in the wilderness or let me say most of them were witnesses to the Red Sea opening for them to walk on dry ground it's not like it was a narrative it's not like somebody told them they have become so used to the power of God you see sometimes I argue that if witnessing the power of God was the only thing that could change our hearts Egypt would have been a Christian country by now with the exception of Israel there is no country in this world that has seen raw power when we talk about the raw power of God on display there's no country in this world that has seen the power of God like Egypt before hallelujah so miracles signs and wonders alone is not enough to change anybody hallelujah I mean look at these things that the people were experiencing they are things we we can only dream of they are things we can only imagine but they saw them with their naked eyes and in spite of this they still managed to do what they did now let's read Exodus chapter 13 verse 22 I want to bring home to you clearly what I mean by the fact that they have become too familiar with God in psychology there is something called habituation everybody say habituation what is habituation? habituation is when you are exposed to something for a very long time you tend to lose your sense of awe for it to the extent that sometimes you even don't notice it I'm sure those of you who probably the first time you, you came to this church when you saw these lighted boxes it looked very nice to you it's like hey this thing is very nice how did they do it you know that kind of, you were thinking about hey, you are smiling because that's what you were thinking <laughs> and all of that but you come every Sunday you see it every Sunday you see it today you didn't even notice it you just came in and you were in the spirit that's good that's how it's supposed to be hallelujah you were worshipping you were praying that is how it's supposed to be it's called habituation you just gotten used to it the thing hasn't lost its splendor it hasn't lost its magnificence but because of repeated exposure habituation has set in and the people of Israel but you see we cannot allow habituation to come in when we and God are concerned it is a complete abomination amen you can't get too used to God 
You can't get too familiar with God. Exodus chapter 13 verse 23. And the Lord did not. Say did not. Remove the pillar of cloud. Or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. That means from the first day God instituted a pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire by night. He never removed it for as long as they were in the wilderness. Amen. The cloud and the pillar, that was what was guiding them through the wilderness. So in the day there is a cloud. In the night there is a pillar of fire. Now can you imagine, we are here and this supernatural pillar, it won't be thin like this one. It will be a very huge pillar because there were millions of people and everybody had to be able to see it. If it was thin like this one, those at the back will not see Hallelujah. It must have been a very huge pillar coming from the clouds. And in another scripture, we are told that God was in the pillar. So just imagine this spectacular sight. And it's there by the day. And the night, this pillar of cloud is replaced by a pillar of fire. Big round thing like that. Imagine from the sky in front of you. I mean, if you see it for the first time and you are faint that you may even collapse. Like, hey, what is this? This is supernatural. This is the power of God on display. And the Bible is telling here that God never removed it. He never took it away. What is the point I'm trying to make? It means at the time they were doing the things that I read in Exodus chapter 32, it means either the pillar of cloud was there or the pillar of fire was there. Because God never took it away. Hallelujah. He never took it away. That means during the day when they were fashioning the golden cow, the pillar of cloud was there. During the night when they were drinking and doing all of those nasty things, the pillar of fire was there. Whether it was day or night, one of them was there. So the problem was that Israel had become too familiar with God. And that is the problem with the church today. We have become too familiar. Last week, the videos that I showed you. Those who are really thirsty for God, those who are hungry for God, they value God more than those of us who have Him in abundance. We have preaching every time we want to hear preaching. The churches are many. You can go to anyone that you like. The men of God are many mixed with the false prophets, everything. There, plenty. There was a time when you couldn't even hear anybody speaking in tongues. Now, it's common. Many people are speaking in tongues. There was a time when you, you, you wouldn't even hear a testimony of a miracle. Nowadays, miracles are commonplace. Correct miracles, fake miracles. Those who are paid to come and pretend as if they can. I was watching a video of some prophet. I don't even mention his name. He's not a Ghanaian. And he called somebody for him. And he mentioned something, 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 very specific things about the person. You know the usual thing? He'll ask you, Have you ever spoken to me before? So he put him and said, Have you ever spoken to me before? He said, Yes, we spoke on phone. And you ask me so, so, and so, and so, and so. It's on YouTube. <laughs> if I tell you the name, you'll get it easily. But <laughs> when you use discernment of spirit to find who it is. <laughs> very, very, very popular. Very, very popular prophet. 
And you could see the shock on his face. It's like, look, this was not what we planned. He said, what? You have spoken to me? Sir? Oh, yeah, the guy was my, oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked, we talked the other day. So we see miracles. Correct ones, fake ones, mixed. And so we have become too familiar with the power of God. We have become too familiar with the presence of God. That is why we will not rush to church. This is how the church is there. So right in the presence of the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, look at the things they were doing. Do you think if there was a pillar of fire in your room, you would be able to fornicate in that room? Can you lift up your head, pillar of fire? <laughs> but let it be there for six months. It's one of the decoration pieces in your room. But you see, as I keep saying, for them, God was in the pillar of cloud. God was in the pillar of fire. But for us, it is worse because God is living inside us. And we are doing the same and doing worse. All because we, we, we become familiar. When the Bible talks about the great cloud of witnesses, there are certain things that when you understand, when you are spiritual to a certain extent and you understand, you can't do them. And see, we are, we, are, we are not spiritual enough. We are too carnally minded. Everything is based on what we see. Everything is based on what we can hear. Everything is based on the six senses. When the Bible says the cloud of witnesses, that's the way you are saying you should, be, you should be careful. Some people think it's cloud. Some people think it's cloud. But me, it's cloud that I see. Hallelujah. In the Bible. The great cloud of witnesses. Any witnesses. Oh, you say somebody is a witness. It means you are, you, are, you are privy to the information. That is why you are a witness. So I believe those people, the cloud of witnesses we are talking about, we are actually referring to the saints, the people who have, have died in the Lord, who have gone before us. And if they are witnesses, it means, I don't know to what extent, but God gives them some insight into what is happening here on earth. So if you are spiritually minded enough, there are certain things you will not do. Because when you are doing that thing and you think you are alone in your room and you are doing it, one, the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around them that love. You love the Lord, don't you? How many of you love the Lord? How many of you? Let me see my hand. Hey, let me see your hands. How many of you love the Lord? Yes. That means there are angels around you all the time. Just like the pillar of cloud was there all the time. Just like the pillar of fire was there all the time. The angels of the Lord are around you all the time. That's why you are alive. You are not dead. And the demons in your house have not killed you. And have not killed you. Because angels are constantly around. We are ready to accept the fact that angels are around us when we are in warfare. But we conveniently forget when we want to do wrong things. When we want to do bad things, when your boyfriend comes. And you can realize actually homos are, you know, becoming some way. And you want to have a laying on of hand service negative impartation suddenly you forget that the angels are there but they are there they are there watching you every move some of them they close their eyes because the things you are making them see so some of your angels and they have written application to God please change my designation this person is corrupting my holy soul Every time I have to close my eyes. Every time I go, why? I better change me now. 
enemy. Change me, redesignate me to some married person. That one is, is, is legal. <laughs> but I pray that we'll come to the point where we'll lose all familiarity with God. Aside the angels watching the, great, the cloud of witness, Peter, Paul, all those people, hey, saints, this, saints, that, that, they too, they are watching, say, oh, and then, oh, yes, sir. Why are you misbehaving like that? Aren't you a Christian? Because they are cheering you on in the race. So, hey, it's like, so actually that thing you are doing alone in your house, it's like your room has been placed in the middle of a Crasper Stadium. And a great cloud of witnesses. Everybody is watching. And the angels all around. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Everybody. And you are there misbehaving. And you don't feel anything. I hope now you are not angry with the people of Israel because you realize we are worse. We are worse. Familiarity with God. But I pray that you come to the point where you are so conscious of the presence of God. Wherever you are, are conscious of the presence of God. I was telling some people recently that look, when you want to stay holy, you are somebody in ministry. And you want to stay holy. When I say ministry, I'm not only talking about preachers. You want to stay holy. And your reason for wanting to stay holy is the ministry. It is not good enough. Hallelujah. Because of the, for the sake of the ministry. Because of the call of God that is upon your life. Because of the unction that is resting upon your head. You must stay holy. It is a wrong mentality. Because you see, that gift, eh? It will come to a point where that gift becomes resident in you. You don't have to stir it up much again. And it just works. And sometimes, because of the needs of the people... And some prayer somebody has prayed into the service. Ajimi, I went to mess up yesterday night or this morning. But somebody has prayed earnestly that God, I need a certain word from you. I will come here and I'll be like a water hose. I'll just be a channel. God will just use me to bless the person. It doesn't mean God is happy with me. Hallelujah. So if your reason for wanting to be holy is just because of the ministry. When you have gotten to that point where now the gift is a resident. You don't need much. Because you see, gifts grow. The number of hours I used to have to be able to pray, to be able to preach the way I'm preaching now. Years ago when I started ministry, it's not the same. When you've grown in the gift, you just do something small, you're able to stay at the gift and it works. When you have gotten to that point, if your only reason for wanting to stay pure is the ministry, when temptation comes, you mess up. Because all it takes is for one day, you go and mess up and you go and and the thing will still work. Like, ah, after all, I'm going to misbehave. The anointing still flows. The power still flows. Then it means God is happy with it. The reason why you must want to keep yourself holy and to keep yourself pure should be because of your relationship with Him. You don't want to hurt Him. You don't want to disappoint Him. You don't want to grieve Him. That should be the reason. In that way, you will survive in every situation. It's because you don't want to hurt God. But if it's the ministry, and you go and mess up once, and the ministry is still flowing, and grace locates you, and the thing is still working, it will become a habit. And that is where a lot of ministers have gotten to now. You hear of 
gospel saying yes nowadays some of them are just disgracing the kingdom and I'm sure you know the ones I'm talking about they've gone to sleep with this they've gone to sleep with that they've gone to sleep with this gone to sleep. it's because they, 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 they linked their holiness to the ministry so one day they just went and misbehaved and still the people were blessed when they lifted the worship people still lifted their hands people still fell and worshipped it's all because people are prayed into the meeting and God doesn't want to disappoint them. People are hungry, so God has to feed them. So you are like a water hose. You are not a source. God just uses you as a channel. Even a donkey cry, he used the donkey to speak. Hallelujah. And so we must come to the point where our relationship with God is real. Our relationship with God is real. I pray that every bit of familiarity in your heart where God is concerned we live in the name of Jesus. And because of this familiarity, the fear of God has left us. We can lie, even in church. Testimony, testimony. When they say testimony time, people add pepper, they add garlic, they sit in because they're a testimony, they say, hey, day. Uh-huh. So that people will clap and say, yeah, God is good. Come and stand there. Praise the Lord. And what is coming out of your mouth is have truths and embellish truths. And you want to use lies to lift up the name of the Lord. It doesn't work that way. But if it was Old Testament God, the ground will open and swallow you. You say, well, who is next? <laughs> then we'll see. <laughs> but you see, it's still the same God. Though. Well, as Ananias and Sapphira, it wasn't Old Testament. It was the period of grace. Lied once, but dead. As I Peter Christ, when the man lied and he saw what happened, he should have sent some people to warn the lady. So at least the family is not wiped out. He kept quiet. He said, You two come. <laughs> Said the same thing. They carried both of them and went to bury them. I pray that we will not be familiar with God. So that's the first lesson. Second, over dependence on a man. Over dependence on a man. Let's go back to Exodus 32. Give me, I think, the verse 4. Okay, no, still verse 1. It said, Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. You see, if they, if they really understood what was happening, they would know that it wasn't Moses who brought them there. It was God himself who brought them there. Hallelujah. Even though Israel had a God, they had a powerful God, a God of miracles, a God of signs, God of wonders, you realize here that the people didn't know that God for themselves. It was Moses. It was all about Moses. Because he was the one giving the prophetic word. He was the one teaching them, do this, don't do that. He was the one saying, stand here. You will both stand here, do that, 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 that. It was all because their focus was on a man. Unfortunately, in the church, the body of Christ right now, the same shadow is haunting us. Where people follow personalities, people follow human beings. I keep saying that, look, ministry has become like showbiz. And the ministers have become the superstars. That's the kind of ministry we have now. It's like showbiz is superstardom. 
when you are coming to preach and there are 20 bodyguards hey we've forgotten that the angels of the Lord <laughs> encamp around us so we need human angels 20 bodyguards if it's one point I bet you I say 20 armed what are you afraid of maybe you've been defrauding people so you're afraid somebody will just come and attempt to gun you down their focus is on human beings and especially young people now if you are a minister of God and you are humble they don't think you are anointed there has to be some element of pride just like you can't speak to me by heart you can't talk to me every time it has to be through the secretary you see people reach a certain level in ministry where that becomes necessary so that they can have their privacy but people who have been gotten anywhere who haven't gotten anywhere now I hear campus ministries car and presidents are having special assistance and things like that I hear that some of the, the, the ministries on campus Legon the president eh, they designate ladies in the church who cook for him every day so there's one who cooks on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday because he's the papa of the church Sometimes you, you see things and you're like, what has become of Christianity? Nobody is saying you shouldn't respect the president of the fellowship. But what, what you are doing is not, even, is not even healthy. Getting young lady. Okay, why can't you get young men to cook for you? There are a lot of young men who can cook. But joy like you can cook. Ruta. It's a very, very, very good cook. And they invited me to eat some banku and okro soup. But when I finished, I couldn't move. I was paralyzed in the spirit. <laughs> can cook. There are young men who can cook. But it's young ladies. And it's not healthy. Because it will bring subtle competition amongst them. Which one will cook better for the, what do you call it? Some of them will start hoping. The way I'm cooking for him like this, he has to propose to me. You'll start creating problems within the church. All because... You want to let one man feel good. When you are humble, you are not. No, no, it's like you, dear Italy. Uncount. I remember there was a day a preacher was coming to preach in Kolebuye. When he got it, he came with a motorcade. You could see the pieces of you. You know? Their, their, level, their antennas were sharpened to receive because he came with a police escort. Police unbelievers followed a man here. And because of that, you have elevated his anointing level. May God have mercy on us. I went to lecture Cape Coast University and I was talking to their, the chairman of their chaplaincy board. He was like, Doc, I don't understand these students these days. He said there was a time they had a joint service. And the preacher they invited was um, somebody from Takradi. And the preacher gave a condition that the only condition of which I'll come is that that morning, after that, I have to go and preach in Takradi back. So you have to get a helicopter there waiting for me. When I finish, I sit inside and I go. He said to his shock, these students managed to gather money and to charter a helicopter that was waiting for the preacher on the school park. 
Immediately he finished. Do, 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 like that. All the sand was blowing. The sand went. Meanwhile, between Takrade and Cape Coast, it's just like one hour. If you are pastor for 40 minutes. <laughs> that is what you couldn't do. And you had to have. And the students money to gather money. And to charter even car. To charter a car. It's a lot of money. How much money? A helicopter. That means he went to a military base or something. Went through all these things. Just because of a man. Look. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. On the judgment day, I'm not going to stand with you. I'm not going to stand with you. It is going to be between you and God. And you are going to give an account of the things you have done. And, 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 and your motives for doing those things are going to be judged. I'm also going to stand in front of God alone. People become too dependent on men that when that man falls, they also have to fall. You've heard of people, a man of God has been overtaken in a moral fault. And because people have put so much of their hope in that man of God, they also start falling away. It's like, then we don't know who to believe again, believe in Christ. So who, who shall we believe? Who shall we believe in? If even him, he fell, then we, I don't know who to believe in again. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one supposed to be the centerpiece of our faith. He's the prima donna. He's the only superstar. It's not supposed to be any human being. Sometimes people are forced to create a certain clout around themselves in ministry just to avoid being taken for granted. And in the process, they go overboard. If I tell you some of the experiences I've had in ministry because I want to remain a humble preacher, you wonder why I even go to preach in certain places. Because when you don't do kokoji things, they won't treat you well. They won't treat you well. They won't treat you well. They'll call you, want you to come and speak at a conference. When? Oh, it's next month. The next month is 30 days. Tell me the specific date. Please, we'll get back to you. You enter the month, they've not called you. You call the one who called you that look. People are coming with requests. I can't keep the whole month open. Oh, please, we are even at the conference. Huh? We are even at the conference. We decided that the following month, rather, you should rather come and come and help us to launch our team for the year. And this is this, 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 this. And you didn't communicate it to me. And so, please, we'll call you. You are there. No call comes. One morning, you receive a call from the same person. And man of God, please, I hope everything is fine. Please, are we seeing you this evening? I said, this evening for what? Oh, the launching of the team. I said, have you called? Why do you know your team? Have you been called me to tell me your team? Oh, please, sorry. We forgot. Oh, then never please, you have to come. Because when we announce your name, the people who are excited, if you don't come, the program will not be nice. I had done, you can't speak to me. Call some of my elders. And even the elders will create, you speak to this one before you speak to this one before you speak to them. They will take you serious. 
don't misbehave. And somebody will say, did you go? Yes, I went. Because I have a principle. The mistake of a leader shouldn't prevent the people from receiving what God has for them. The people haven't done anything. They have not done anything. So I shouldn't allow my personal pride to prevent them from receiving what they have to receive. I went. And the one who called me herself wasn't in the meeting. Hmm. Somebody will call you. I want you to come and be the main speaker for this program. We are doing. I said, okay. There was a time. I actually shifted a fire rally because I didn't announce the date. I decided. But I didn't announce the date. I shifted a fire rally because somebody called me that first week in November. There's a certain program, blah 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 blah. Shifted everything. Is, is, came to me. Oh, we want your picture for uh, poster and blah 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 blah. It was getting to time. I wasn't hearing anything. And then somebody called me. I was like, Ah, I've seen a poster of the program, and the host is the only speaker. He has decided he's, he's going to handle it alone, and he hasn't told me. Meanwhile, my my major program of the year shifted. Just because of this thing. Don't tell me. Ask me whether when he called me again, I went. I went twice. I went twice. Because the, the people must not suffer for the mistakes of the leaders. Some of these proud men of God we have created is, is us. We created them. Because we only respect them when they have a certain cloud around them. You don't dress a certain way, Charlie. You cry. The oil is not thick. We need thicker mantles. Focus on the man. But you see, no man shed his blood for you. I'm your pastor, but I did not shed, but shed my blood. In fact, I am under no obligation to shed my blood for you. The best I can do which I know I won't even get there because you walk in health is if you need blood and I'll donate some that's the best I can do I don't have any obligation I don't have any covenant with you you understand I don't have any covenant with you in fact by obligation and by scripture and by covenant the only person I am mandated to lay down my life for is my wife it's a husband love your wives and he gave the standard as Christ loved the church and laid down his life. When a gentleman comes to propose to you, ask him if you were in a house and I'm Robert's kid and they took a gun and showed it to the two of us. There are some of the men, if the wife is large like this, they wear high beyond. You, you are disqualified. He said, love your wife, ask Christ love the church. And he went on to say, and gave his life. He didn't even say, as Christ loved the church and he preached to it. Or he healed. This is, he said, and laid down his life. That is the standard. If he's not prepared to lay down his life for you, he doesn't qualify. Wait for another person. Hallelujah. So the only person I am obligated and mandated to die for is my wife. Finish. Not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. Not you. The only one who died for you is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he is the one that you are following. He's the one that you are following. I pray that our focus will leave men. 
and our focus will be on God. That is not to say men are not important. Men are channels, but they are not the source. Men are channels, but they are not the source. Number three. The importation of worldly things into the church and giving those things godly labels. And we see it clearly here. Let's start from verse 1. In the first place, let me give you the whole background of this golden calf thing. Where the people of Israel were kept in Egypt, the place they called Goshen. Goshen was a neighbor to another town called Memphis. So the Memphis in the U.S., you know, is not the original Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. It's not the original Memphis. Right? Goshen and Memphis was like how maybe Kolebu and Kolegono or Kolegono and Mamprobi close together. Alright? And the God that the people of Memphis were worshipping was in the form of a bull. Okay? It was in the form of a bull. And you know the young of a bull is a calf. So while they were in Egypt, Egypt represents the world. They had seen them worshipping this bull. They had seen them doing all sorts of things because they were neighbors. Just like how we're, while we were in the world, there were a lot of things we saw. There were a lot of things we did. There were a lot of things we witnessed. There were a lot of things we were exposed to. So now when they came into the wilderness and they were looking for a replacement, the natural replacement that came to their mind was that it should be that same species. But look at what they did. This time they didn't go for a bull. They went for the seemingly less harmful version, which is a calf. Bulls can be dangerous. When you see those bull fighting things, it can be a life and death matter. When the person doesn't get it right, the bull can gorge you in your stomach and your intestines will be out. Calves seem harmless. They are harmless. Actually, those those bull fighting things, sometimes to open the show, they are harmless cows and they make children fight with them. Because they know the cows cannot do anything. So instead of going for the bull, the one that everybody knows is fearsome and is, oh, calf, it looks harmless. But let's bring it into our setting. And look at what he said. He said, Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into a shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Look at this, oh, oh Israel. These are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. They didn't say this is another god altogether. They didn't say this is another god we are creating. It is the same god. So they are taking a pagan thing and put a godly label on it. It's the same god. It's the same one who opened the Red Sea. It's the same one who caused darkness to come upon Egypt. It's the same one who caused the plague of locusts. Everything killed the firstborn son of Israel. They could have easily given it another name and said, this is another God altogether because the old one, we can't find him. They imported a worldly thing into the church and gave it a godly label. What they are seeing in Memphis, they were replicating it in a way that was supposed to look harmless. And unfortunately, that is what is happening in the church today. We are importing a lot of worldly stuff into the church. Sometimes you go to programs and you see choreography. And you ask, hey, is this church? 
There's nothing wrong with choreography, but it has to be spiritual. Hallelujah. Some of the dancers and the ladies gyrating their waist and worrying the gentlemen in the audience. The same dances we see in the nightclubs, we see we see it in choreography. Some of them are even worldly songs and they have just modified them. And sometimes the excuse of bringing worldliness into the church is that it's supposed to help us attract the unbelievers. You see, that is where we've gotten it wrong. We think church is supposed to be an acceptable form of the world. But when you come to Christ, there must be a change. You must see a change. We are not supposed to bring the things that you enjoy in the world and, and come and give them uh, godly labels so that it will now become acceptable. And unfortunately, that is what we are doing. Oh, the services have to be a certain way so that unbelievers can come. When they are coming into the church, they are coming because they are prepared to change. That is it. So some of the dancers, the same ones we see in the nightclub, we see. They take the worldly songs and change the lyrics. And make it... I am not in favor of people taking worldly songs and putting godly lyrics in it. I am not in favor of it. Because you don't know where the inspiration for the tune came from. You don't know. Ezekiel chapter 28. Satan, he had instruments. He, he was a music guru. Trust me, he can compose nice tunes. Somebody who was performing jazz. He said, they asked him on CNN, who, where, where do you get your inspiration from? He said, from Satan. There were no words in the song. He said, I get my inspiration from Satan. As I keep saying, music is not it's not just about the words. The tune and the words. If it was just words, it would be poetry. But it's the tune plus the words. So the fact that the words are okay doesn't mean where the tune is coming from is okay. Hallelujah. I'm not saying every song that is not of God has demonic backing. But we have enough Christian songs. Hallelujah. Take Methodist hymn book alone. Plenty. If we begin to, you can't sing. There are a lot of songs when we are singing, you are tuning a browning cutter. You don't know them. Don't know a song alone like more than hundred. God will make a way. That's the only line you know. <laughs> if we should go further, it will become a problem. We have enough Christian songs. Hallelujah. For us to go and take a worldly song and take this as a just because we want the choreography to be funky and to be some way. So that unbelievers can feel comfortable. And that is the problem. We are trying to make people comfortable in their, in their own state. We are trying to make people comfortable in their sin. But church is supposed to be an agent of change. Hallelujah. So we need to be careful. There are a lot of golden calves. We are importing them into the church and giving them godly labels. Sometimes our dedication ceremonies, naming ceremonies and things like that, in an attempt to satisfy families and stuff like that. Sometimes we even want to import some of these. You know, I don't have a problem with culture. But when the culture is veering into the realm of religion, then you need to be careful. There's nothing wrong with with culture. The Jews have their culture. We also have our culture. But when that culture is becoming religious, things like pouring of libation, things like that. That is religion. It's not just culture anymore. And it is 
in complete opposition to what we believe in as believers. So sometimes in an attempt to, to satisfy people, we import some of these things into you go to a program and the MC is MCing like how somebody will MC a Shatawali program. Me rally and things, I scrutinize. MC, oh no, no, no. Not anybody at all coming. The MC can kill the program. One bad worldly joke. One misplaced joke. You know those kind of jokes, you finish the joke and you are the only one laughing. Hey, 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 hey. Everybody's face is so hard. You missed it completely. Bad joke. There was a time, far rallying hope. After the first night, I told them, I don't want to see this MC on this stage again. Even before I said it, Pastor Alpha and Co had gone to give the message. We can pen the beam. MC in the thing, I said, it's a rap show. No, you know. All the pictures we took, he wasn't in any of them. He was dodging all the flashes. We didn't see him in any of them. I wanted to take note of his face. So that next time when I see him, I couldn't see him. Let's just say, yeah, yeah. What is that? This is Golden Calf MC. Golden Calf MC. So we, we take we take worldly things and bring them into the church. Some worldly principles. We bring them into the church. There's no time for me to, 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 to go into details. So we need to be careful. Hallelujah. When we are doing things in church, they must be godly. Sometimes there was some song, it was supposed to be a Christian song, but they could play it in nightclubs and people would still be comfortable. It means the spirit back in the song is not the spirit of God. If you can play a song in the night, a Christian song in the nightclub and the atmosphere doesn't change. And the change I'm, I'm talking about is not a change where people begin to worship. They must get angry. Because the spirit backing what you are saying is in opposition to the spirit that is at work in that place. And people must start getting angry. But if they can play it and sing and dance and this, that, that, that. That's a problem. And, and unfortunately, those are the songs that they hate. Oh, they are dancing and this is a no spirit. No spirit. No spirit. You are a Christian musician and they invite you to music, music. Don't go. They don't have to line the Christian musician's face. Oh, you come and open that, but don't dance. Hey, this will remove your Hey, dance, 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 dance. Same people when they finish and they shut away to come. Yeah. What have you achieved as a Christian musician? All because you want exposure to be known. I was invited to speak at a certain program. It was a music program, and I was supposed to go and do give a message and give an altar call. I was supposed to have spoken after the main artist. But they called me. The person wants to 
What do you call it? No, I think I was supposed to have spoken before the main artist. They call me, the person has to go to uh, music, music. So, if I could, like, that they want to put the person on first, so that she can finish quickly and go. And this is, so they changed my schedule. So I okay. Oh, she came in there and when she finished, the people went to tell the manager that don't pay her the full amount. Because one day she just came to do some. Hey, this is no ministration, nothing. Her husband was a manager. And the leader of the place, a very radical, have you seen what your wife is doing? Have you seen? Have you seen what your wife is doing? Yes, no, no, we can't pay her the full amount. Her mind was on music, music. The preaching of the word had to be delayed so that she'll come and do it. He just came to do some five, ten minutes thing, you know, show. Sat in the car, went away. And I came and took the mic. She had even my time because of this, they shortened my time. In fact, the whole thing is that they, they, they actually shortened my time because of her. I was supposed to use 30 minutes. And they gave me like 10 minutes or so. But I said, whatever God will do, he'll do. 10 minutes of preaching. I did an altar call, 150 souls straight. And so we should be careful about mixing the world with the church. Because very soon they will not see the difference and they will not find any reason to come and join us. Because when they come it's the same thing. It's just a, a, a less harmful version. A calf. A calf version of a bull. May the Lord save us from that. Hallelujah. Point number four. Now they removed. I think maybe I'll have to end on that point. And see if we will continue next week. You realize that they had to use their earrings, the gold that they had. Now, why why was that a very serious matter? Because they are getting of the gold. The question: Where did they get the gold from? It was from the Egyptians. The Bible says God gave them favor. So it was like in one night there was a serious wealth transfer, like serious wealth transfer. Bah. Egyptians. By the time morning was, hey, where is my gold? I actually gave it to these slaves. You know that kind of thing. And that's what's going to happen to you. God, God will just let some unbeliever come and give you ten acres of land. Take it like that. By the time they are aware, they've given it to you already. They're giving it to you. When the Bible says the wealth of the wicked shall be laid out for the just, that's an example. God just gave them favor, and they went boldly. I need gold. Then she 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 take all the gold. I need silver. Take all the silver. The next morning, open their eyes, just like Pharaoh. His eyes open like, hey, I've really let these people go. No, go and chase them back. But they were already gone. So they got the gold and the silver as a result of favor from God. And why did God give them the gold and the silver? He gave them the gold and the silver for the building of the tabernacle. You also saw that they looked nice in the wilderness. No. It was for the building of the tabernacle. And this thing he had prophesied it. And promised it to Abraham. Way back. Genesis chapter 15. First of all, let's read Exodus chapter 12, 35 to 36. Exodus 12, 35 to 36. He said, And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. Next. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Hallelujah. One night, 
serious wealth transfer took place. So God gave them the favor for them to have it. And this thing, God had prophesied it in Genesis 15, 13 to 14. I want to, I want to show you that the, the silver and gold, it was a serious thing to God. So them using it for the golden cup was a very serious offense. Genesis 15, 13 to 14. It said, Then the Lord said to Abraham, So from Abraham's time, right from Abraham's time, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. That was the prophecy of the, of the, of the slavery. Where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Next. And that was what happened. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. Right from Abraham's time, God had prophesied this thing. Promised it to Abraham long ago. And it happened in Exodus chapter 12. And the purpose of that world transfer was that they were going to build God a tabernacle in the wilderness. The Ark of the Covenant, the inlay was gold. and that. When you look at the, at the things that were used to build the tabernacle, the gold alone was around 90,000 shekels of gold. When you convert it into kilograms, it's like the weight of a Kia Picanto. And if you convert that into dollars, we are talking about some 42 million dollars worth of gold. It was meant for the tabernacle. But these people got into the wilderness and they decided to use it for something other than what it was meant to be. What am I driving at here? Inappropriate use of resources in the kingdom of God. And I'll give you examples of inappropriate uses. When the church doesn't have a building and on the pastor's birthday you decide that you are going to buy a private jet for the pastor. It's different if the church has gotten to the place where it can afford these things. Hallelujah. Because churches can, can go to the point where they can I mean, God has blessed the church to the point where they can afford it. But when the, the, the church hasn't got a building, and you're going to buy a, a Rolls Royce for the head pastor, it is the same as what the Israelites were doing. Hallelujah! You see, overflow, God will bless us to the point where we can buy a private jet. Hallelujah! But, and me too, God is going to bless me to the point where I can buy my own pri- private jet. Hallelujah! So don't worry about buying me a private jet. If I buy, I'll buy it with my own money. Hallelujah. At least, there are some orphanages. I'm sure one private jet, like four orphanages can come out of it. Two rehabilitation centers for drug addicts, commercial sex workers, and things that can come out of it. Inappropriate use. Inappropriate use. And we need to be careful. Point number five. And the last point, that is the last point. You realize that the golden calf was a result of pressure from the people. Pressure from the people and weak leadership. Weak leadership. It was clear Moses hadn't left, as we say, his back well. He left them and suddenly the one who was in charge was too weak to be able to handle the pressure from the people. There are some churches that the senior pastor can't travel for one week. 
By the time he comes back, things will be haywire. But thank God, I can go and come and things are still intact. Hallelujah. I have assistance. I'm training very well. Amen. You don't have a case where I am away for one week. By the time I come back, the arrangement in the place has changed. We are facing this place. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad sign. I leave by the time I come home. <laughs> we are facing, this place is what's out there. The sea. We are fighting against the marine spirits. <laughs> things have changed. You must have a system where things are stable. Even when the leader is not around. All because you don't build things around one man. Moses, that was his problem. He was, there were too many things that were built around Moses. Too many things. His absence just caused trouble like that. And Aaron was weak. As a Christian leader, you, you don't have to be weak. You don't have to fear the people. You don't have to fear the people. Look at the pressure. 32 verse 1. He said, yes. And when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what has happened to this fellow Moses. That was the first pressure. When you go to the verse 5, after he had done it for them, in order to continue pleasing them, when you realize oh, what I've done is pleasing the people. The verse 5. He said, when Aaron saw how excited the people were, he said, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. And he was the one who declared that feast to where they misbehaved. You know? He said, What? Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. They pressured him to do the thing when he realized that, ah, the people like it. You can't be a leader and you are just interested in making the people happy. You can't be, a, you can't be an effective Christian leader that way. All you are interested in is to make the people excited. And it is very easy for the people to put pressure on their leader to make a golden car for them. And I'll give you a practical example on how you can put pressure on me to create a golden car for you. An idol that will replace God. It is possible for you to put pressure on me to create a golden calf out of that thing called time. And in this church, we'll be worshipping time instead of worshipping God. Because, ah, the preaching has gone for more than one hour. Then people's faces become some way, so pressure. Then people are looking at their watches, see? Service is supposed to close at this time. You know, Africans... We are only aware of closing time. Beginning time. Today, as at 8 o'clock, this place was less than half full. But if this, if this service should stretch to 11, we will realize that we have watches. That we know time. So you see, your agitation and your complaining and your things can force me, like Aaron, to carve a golden calf out of this thing called time. And we'll be worshipping time in this church instead of worshipping God. So everything is done because hey, we don't want the people to be hungry. They're preaching quick, 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 quick because hey, the people must, we have to hurry up and leave. The same people who will complain that church started at 7 and has ended at 11. Monday, they go to school at 8 and are able to stay there till 5. They go to work at 8, are able to stay there till 8 in the evening. 
You can even do 24 hours duty, same human being, same cells, same tissue, same organs. You didn't die. But when it comes to church, suddenly, two hours, three hours is too much. Let me tell you, it's simple. You are unspiritual. It, it is as simple as that. You are not spiritual. And you see, this preaching is meant to elicit the fact to you that you are not spiritual enough. If you are angry at what I'm saying, what I'm doing is that I am eliciting signs of unspirituality. Hallelujah. That is why you are reacting the way you are. And thank God that you are reacting that way. In medicine, when you elicit certain signs and they come, it's able, it, you are able to get a diagnosis so you can help the patient. Somebody is standing there like you think everything is fine. You take a patella hammer. You hammer the nickel back and the leg hits your face back. He was okay like he was okay, but it shows that there's a problem. When you tap, it's supposed to move small, but when it moves too much, it means there's some nervous problems. Hallelujah. If patella hammer can elicit pathologies, the word of God, which is like a fire and a hammer, when it hits you, it will elicit a reaction that will tell us that there is a problem. So if you are angry, it's okay. We have, we have achieved our aim. Hallelujah! Are you angry with me? <laughs> it just shows that you are not spiritual enough. You can go to work and be comfortable. When you are late to work, you feel bad. When you walk God justly to church, it's like, oh, it is church. Where are you in a hurry to? What are you going to do? That is not to say this church we don't respect. We, we will respect time. We believe in order and everything. But the order must start with the starting time. Do you get the point? We must solve the problem of coming early before we can even discuss the issue of closing late. I mean, they said we don't close late. You know what happens in some places? No. You'll be there, they'll take first offer three, second offer three, they'll do coffee and ama, they'll do this, 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 the announcement, they'll give it to you, uh, tree, everywhere. you are just there. And you have to be there. Just seven start seven, they'll close at one, and they are happy, they walk out. Yeah, oh, ten, 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 fifteen, we have closed. This is not, and moreover, you don't even come at the seven. Most of you, 8.30, you are here. Even if we close at 10, that means one hour, 30 minutes of church. Wow. And so this church, we, we are not going to, I told you that with these things, we are creating church policy. We are not going to create an idol out of time. For everything, giddy, 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 and this, 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 because, hey, Charlie, we have to go so that the people don't get angry. If the people get angry and they want to go, we don't lock the door. Hallelujah. The door is open. Nobody puts a key there that when you come here, you must stay to the end. When you really, 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 really need to go, the door is open. You can go. Hallelujah. I am not interested in pastoring a church that has time as a God. And we have treated the Holy Spirit and put Him in a corner somewhere to watch time detect things. When it comes to preaching, eh? It's not every preaching that must be 45 minutes old. Depending on the topic, there are some topics, 30 minutes you have done. There's a difference when you are cooking rice from when you are cooking beef. If you say, oh, I've given 45 minutes or 30 minutes, you have to finish cooking both of them. The beans will suffer. 
Because it needs more time. There are some things when you start, you must finish. You can't break. It's not every sermon you can break into part one and two. There are some sermons that when you do part two, you spoil the sermon. Even movies. There are some movies you wonder why did they even do the part two. The part two came and spoiled the whole thing. You should have just finished with the part one. That's it. And it's like that. You see, when you are not a preacher, you, you might not understand some of this. But just know that I'm telling you the truth and accept it. Hallelujah. So you have to work the thing and finish it. There are some sermons, if you don't conclude, you leave the people confused. It's like beans. The hard ones are inside. Like, like when you are chewing it, you don't enjoy it. You must take time and cook the thing. And so you must be patient. And when the word is coming, you must smile. Hallelujah. And say, preach on. Hallelujah. And say amen, hallelujah. And say you are preaching to me. Instead of time, 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 you are looking at time, time, time like that. Time is becoming a god in your life. Stop being unspiritual. I mean, I keep saying that if really, truly, you are the type that hey, if you say nine thirty, we have to close at nine thirty. Bang. If we create that kind of atmosphere, we will attract those kinds of people. And when it comes to a time when now we need people to sacrifice their time for certain things, you will get. Because you've trained them like that. And for me, if somebody wants to leave their church because sermon can be one hour, I will not stop you. Hallelujah. I will, I will not stop you. Then probably this is not the church for you. This is not the church for you. I'm not one of those pastors who fear people living home. Oh, it even reduces my work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid. Someone said, I don't fear Sakati Dondon. I'm not afraid. I don't fear Sakati Dondon. Ask me what is Sakati Dondon. I don't even know. Maybe it's you. <laughs> you are <laughs> but we need to be careful not to create an idol out of a thing called time by putting pressure on our leaders. Having said that, that is not to mean that we will not be time conscious. We'll be time conscious. We'll respect time, but we respect the Holy Spirit more. We will not have a regimented system where the worship must definitely be 20 minutes. There are times we close worship and you feel like this thing should have continued. How many of you have felt that way before? We must come to service open to the Holy Spirit. It's not like everything is regiment. This is how it's supposed to be. No. That's not how church is supposed to be. When we come, we must be open to the Holy Spirit. We can come to church and there's no preaching and there's no church. Hey, today we are just praying. Today we are just worshiping. Today I'm just coming to ask you questions for you to answer. Display your knowledge of the things that have been taught. It's all in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There are times they are about to close the worship. I tell them, wait. Let's go five minutes extra. It's because I feel like we need to enter a little deeper into the worship. So in this church, we are not going to make time a God. Hallelujah. We will be strict about beginning time. And maybe next week, I will inform you about some changes we are coming to make. Hallelujah. I'm calling it the time revolution. Say time revolution. Yes. 
we are going to start things on time. And those of you who come late very soon, you will start missing things. Hallelujah. You will start, when you start missing things, you realize that you have to adjust yourself. You have to adjust yourself. Me, I don't believe in apologizing to the congregation when we go beyond the time we said we'll close. When I apologize to you, then I'm trying to say that there was a part of the service that was useless. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And so none of my leaders will apologize unless they are ready to point out which part of the service was useless. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So elders Dick is saying, nobody will stand here and apologize. Oh, we are sorry for keeping you in the presence of God, for preaching the word of God to you, for leading you in worship. Oh, for leading you to pray, for leading you to praise. Blasphemy. Nobody is going to apologize. Once you are going to apologize, they must add the reason. If you can identify it. Oh, we are sorry because Daddy Fire preached 20 minutes extra today. When you finish, you can look into my face. <laughs> Hallelujah. So apology. The day we apologize to you, then it means something out of human error. Human error caused the lateness. Technical something. And so we couldn't set up on time. Or we came and there was some technical error somewhere. Technical, I'm not bashing you. I'm just giving you as an example. And because of that, microphones wouldn't come on early and things like that and blah, 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 blah. Those ones we shall apologize. Because it's not a result of human error. But if we can't identify anything out of the spiritual things that we did on the day, there's even nothing like too much worship. You really want to go to heaven. You really, really want to go to heaven. And you are saying too much worship. 40 minutes is too much. Hey! Then you better stay here on earth. Because when we go there, we go worship. Papa! Even if the person repeated one song for the 40 minutes, it may be boring to you, but it's not boring to God. The angel said, they are saying, holy, holy, holy. What is more repetition than that? And so God is feeling the thing and he's happy. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. And stand to your feet. You want to pray this morning. We've talked about shadows of the golden calf. There may be some golden calves in your life. Worldly things that you have accepted into your life. You just want to pray that Lord, first of all, help me to identify the golden calves in my life. And give me the strength like Moses did to destroy them. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We also want to pray for the church. That the Lord will eliminate any golden calves that we are bringing into our system. We talked about the fact that MCing can be wealthy. We can, our singing can be wealthy. Our choreography can be wealthy. We want to pray that Lord. Keep us away from these things in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. 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 The hour of visitation.
hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen.